Hey man, how you doing? <laughs> I'm here with Mr. Ben Richards. He's a friend of mine from Ubud. And uh, I'll do a little intro so people know who I'm talking to. Is that okay? All right, cool. Ben is a uh, proprietor, sole proprietor, of uh, an amazing raw food restaurant here in Ubud called Seeds of Life in Ubud, Bali. <clears throat> I go there often. Uh, Ben's Ben's joint is a little different in that he he takes things to a new level and a serious level when it comes to health and well-being. Not just health, but well-being. So his cafe is not just a place to eat. It's a place to get... Um, let's say, naturally medicated in a sense. He's got a tonic bar in the back, which is really awesome. He's got a lot of Chinese remedies in the store that he's passionate about, um, that he he actually just recently went to China, yeah, and did some uh, studying in the tea world. He's passionate about tea, he's passionate about herbs, he's passionate about mycelium and mushrooms and medicines from the earth and all kinds of good stuff. And and it's really cool to go back there. You can just feel it's thick in the back in this tonic bar. He's just got stuff everywhere. He's got kombuchas. Um, he's got tonics. He's got elixirs. He's got uh, tinctures. He's got all kinds of stuff that's in process, that's finished, that's starting. He's got raw stuff, raw mushrooms out on display. He's got a little library of things. It's it's really a whole nother level of of health and well-being from a from an establishment standpoint. So I really love that it's here. I think we're lucky to have it in this town. Um, and upstairs, he actually has a Shtanga Yoga in the mornings, which is pretty awesome. I mean, how many how many cafes, how many stores, how many shops do we know that actually integrate physical yoga practice into the business So, or into the business model? So it's pretty cool stuff. I'm, I'm appreciative I didn't have to open that because I know it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's cool just to be, be able to roll in and have such an amazing you know, thing in the back, in the backyard, essentially, just be able to walk in there and know I'm getting nourished, know I'm getting the best of the best of ingredients. Um, and I know, I don't know, probably at least three to five of those staff members have been there for day from day one, from, from my recollection. So the people that work there love working there. And I think it speaks to Ben and who he is and how he treats people. And, and it's just kind of how he does his stuff in general. And it's really nice to meet people like this in the world. It's, it's rare. Um, and, uh, so Ben and I share a lot of things in common, uh, a lot of that to be discovered. I think we've got a lot of stuff that, that needs to be unearthed, unearthed that, uh, we'll probably talk about here and realize, oh shit, I didn't know you, you knew that or were into that or like that. So I'm really excited to get Ben in front of your guys' consciousness and near your ears so that you can hear him just, uh, just be who he is and be passionate and talk about the stuff he's into because, to me, that's the best way to 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 bring information to the people is is to just talk about what you're into and talk about what you're passionate about and you know do it from your heart. And I think Ben is that guy. I mean, he's 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 the guy doing the kind of stuff that I hope to be doing one day, which is living your every single day in that place of passion. You know, making it your your livelihood, your vocation, your 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 communication what you talk about it's all wrapped into that and and i love that about ben so i'm happy to have him in front of you guys and and i hope that we can take you guys on a different journey here that's why it's called new perspectives i think ben is a guy that's got some ways of seeing things that are not your status quo and and there's a reason for that and i'll let him get into all that and we'll, we'll just chat this is a tea conversation a conversation with tea and the tea leaves will guide us and, and we'll go where we go. And, and there's no there's no trajectory here other than just kind of going deep and seeing where we end up. So here's Ben and I hope you guys enjoy what, 
what we talk about. Um, man, so last time we talked, we were in your cafe. Is cafe the right word? What do you call it? Well, we it don't seems like such an understatement. We don't serve coffee. You know, and cafe basically means coffee. Yeah, that's true. So I, I call it like a raw food cafe because of a just giving it a handle that people can kind of relate to that's mm-hmm. not too edgy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not... Yeah, I, I, like, I mean, it, here in Ubud, we're really lucky. You know, the, the community that we have here and the people, the greater community, the, the friends of the friends who perhaps um, already get what's going on here in terms of... Um, you know, knowledge around the mycelium and, and the medicinal mushrooms and, you know, kombuchas and kefirs and fermentation and sprouting. And, um, you know, there's, there's a language, there's, there's a, a posture that, um, that is well known within a smaller circle. But the greater circle is kind of where, the, you know, I, I sort of feel the work needs to be done in terms of education and approachability, you know, mm-hmm. making food... When people talk about veganism, you know, like what, what's what's veganism and what, what is this plant-based movement about? Um, and, you know, like all human endeavours, we have extremists everywhere, you mm. know, in all like the yogi, there's extreme yoga, there's extreme basketballers, there's extreme football, you know, like we're just, humans are pretty intense beings, you know, at that kind of extreme niche level. And mm-hmm. in the raw food is most certainly not an exception to that. So... Um, I guess, you know, the word cafe is a word that people don't really know exactly means coffee straight up. Hmm. So I'd still put that handle cafe in there, even though we don't serve coffee. I didn't know that actually. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've worked in Italian restaurants and there's just some kind of tongue-in-cheek talk about restaurants that call themselves cafe that don't even serve good coffee. (laughs) You know, so when you're in the inner circle of like the Italian restaurant scene or the Italian cafe scene, um, yeah, you know, if there's, there are some people who would, would say if you don't serve coffee then, or even good coffee, then yeah. you can't call your cafe a cafe. A cafe. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. funny. I've yeah. never heard of that. Mm. They do it different over in Italy, that's for sure. Mm. Yeah, um, there's like, uh, you know, little standing bars where you just walk in, get your espresso, stir in a sugar and keep walking, you know. Yep, one dollar. One dollar. On cafe. Yeah. It's it's kept me awake on many drives through Italy. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> I'm not a coffee guy, but I uh, I think I'm a sugar guy, mm-hmm. and, I, and sometimes I think that's I'll call it my sugary deliver my sugar delivery sugar. method. Oh yeah, there is, you go. Is coffee because mm. if there's a mean chai around, I, I much more prefer chai. Um, but that's one of those things I'm trying to work on. Yeah. Trying to get out of. I find if I fast for like five to seven days, it really breaks my sugar mm-hmm. addiction. Mm-hmm. For I've gone. Well, year plus without it, mm. two years once without sugar after a long fast. I just didn't want it. Um, but uh, yeah, that's what coffee is for me. Yeah, interesting because you look like you have a pretty fast metabolism, you know, like pretty lean. It doesn't, you know, just from an out, outward perspective, you mm. know, from an, an, an observer's perspective, it looks like things metabolize quite quickly. So, yeah. you know, sugar is definitely something that that fast metabolism really en- enjoys for energy because, um, you know, the body can sort of store it. and Really? Um, yeah, well, the liver stores sugar. and um, I thought it was because I was born in the south of the United States. <laughs> it was raised on sugar and sweet tea. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. I'm lucky, I think. I think I'd rather have a faster metabolism mm. than slower, obviously. And, you know, like if you've got a fast metabolism, I guess, 
you know, sugar's pretty dirty in, in mm. you know, the, the, the way it does burn in the body. And if you have too much of it, of course, then um, you can have little things growing in your body. But uh, if you're metabolizing, then like if you're burning it off, you know, if mm-hmm. you've got a daily practice and you're busy-minded and, you know, you're, 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 your head's busy all the time, you're thinking and, you you know, you're burning the calories. I I think there's kind of like a fine, you know, like people can drink sugar all their life and not have any really negative effects. It's mm. it's not like drinking, you know, espressos or something all your life and then, you know, the, the stress that puts on your liver and your your, your stomach acids and things like that. Right, so right. I, I, think, I think there's a lot of hype around sugar being really bad um, and there is for people who can't metabolize it. A lot more hype you said around sugar? Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, you know, because sugar's linked to diabetes and sugar's linked to candida and there's a whole lot of things around it. But Cancer. Cancer, well, it feeds cancers and things like yeah. that. But if you've got a fast metabolism and you've got a healthy mindset, I mean, you know, I wouldn't be losing too much sleep over it if you, you know, unless you really want to get leverage on it. Well, yeah, I think for me it, it actually more affects my my mental thought of what sugar is and mm. what it's doing, mm. then I feel it in my body. You yeah. know, I don't think sometimes if I have the wrong kind of sugar, definitely knocks me down a little bit, makes me want to go to sleep. But that's a lot. That would be a lot of sugar. Because you yeah. know, after sugar's been metabolized, the body doesn't recognize whether it's come from fruit or right. white sugar or brown sugar or or from noodles or yeah. Once or it's anything. yeah, exactly. Once it's been broken down, it's just glucose. It's just yeah, you know, glucose, glucose in the body. That's yeah. what I've understood. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's interesting. Lately, I've been, I've been at your place actually eating a lot of uh, soul jars. Oh yeah, soul jars are like these um, epic, like chia smoothie, fruit mix in a in a mason jar with a handle that Ben makes with these. Well, they plantains or just dry bananas on the top? Yeah, they're like caramelized bananas yeah. and, a, and a sprouted seeded. So damn good. LSA bar. Yeah, yeah LSA bar on there. Um, so I've been I've been craving fruit mm. a lot lately in the last mm. couple of weeks. And I generally mm. find that sugar for me is a grounding force. Mm. Like if I'm discombobulated or moving around or, or not settled, I find like a, <clears throat> that I eat emotionally. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not gorging myself, but mm. I find that, oh, yeah, I, I want a little more fruit mm. or I want that dessert here and there. Raw dessert, but still, like you said, still sugar in the end. Yep. Um, uh, what do you What do you think about more fruit fruit centric diets? I find mm-hmm. I I've seen people that eat a lot of fruit, too much fruit, mm-hmm. and maybe their metabolism's low. But it seems mm-hmm. like they, they put a lot of weight on mm-hmm. from eating too much fruit. Do you have any you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, for sure. I think um, I've been raw for ten years now, and eat a predominantly fruit diet myself. Oh, I didn't know that. And yeah, it's a tricky one to um, to try and you know explain to people that um, without trying to like it's a tricky one to explain to people this process that's happening without you know it's very delicate without trying to say to someone you know when you reach this level you're you're better than everyone or you're you know mm-hmm. you're you're at a higher level or you're more spiritually evolved I mean it's not necessarily about that. Um, and and I, I so what I, what I'm about to say doesn't necessarily mean that because a person is on a high fruit diet and makes it work, they're more spiritually evolved. Right. However, there is, uh, like, you've mentioned fasting. You've done some fasting before, and and um, you know that the body require it takes seventy five percent of the body's energy to digest food. So when we when we're fasting and we're into ketosis and autolysis and autophagy, these, mm-hmm. you know, magical processes of cleaning and rebuilding the body, um, processes that don't get switched on because, uh, you know, on a day-to-day 
lifestyle because 70% of the body, 75% of the body's energy is going into just digesting that meal. And then we pack on three meals a day and so, mm. and then desserts and snacks in between. So, you know, all throughout the day, the body is not really dividing the energy back into healing and regeneration and, and growth. And so you know that when you're on like day five, six or seven and the fast is going incredibly well and you probably ask yourself that question why do we need to eat right oh yeah man you're sailing you're glowing yeah you're clear yeah you're through the hunger piping you you know i still do a two to three hour shtanga yoga and pranayama practice while i'm fasting fasting. day 20 of a fast and just beaming like flexibility is incredible and strength and bunder and clarity and like the the prachihara is the thing that i i I recognize the most that's most tangible which is is oh you're gonna tell yeah yeah well prachihara is this um um it's like drawing your attention inwards yeah and um a great example that we probably can all relate to about it uh, is you know a ninja we've all seen those ninja movies where the ninja's standing in a busy street or something or in a mall and uh or he goes into like the mansion and there's all the gunmen and the ninja can stand in a place that's fairly out in the open and no one can see him yeah or her and what that ninja is doing is withdrawing his senses or her senses so this withdrawing the senses is what uh is um is is what's called prachahara so there's yogis, you know, and the yogis in, um, in India and Tibet, they've been doing these practices for such a long time. Um, what they do is, there's one of the practices, they'll bury themselves in a box underground and see how long they can hang out for. That sounds fun. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> awesome. No sunlight, no fresh air, no water, no food. And it, it's kind of just, you know, it, it's just pushing the limits of human potential, you know. They've checked out of society and they're not really interested in, you know, business and climbing the scale. And there's, you know, just seeing what the body and the mind can do. And so these are Buddhists, not sadhus in India. These are. These I are just think that's not limited to anyone. Because oh, the aesthetics do a lot of crazy stuff. I yeah. Haven't, I, haven't, I haven't heard of the Buddha. I mean, I've heard of some Buddhist practice that are practices that are pretty out there, but that's pretty it's pretty cool you know i I ultimately i'm not like there's a there's a line where buddhism and hinduism separate but buddha was hindu yeah Mm. he was raised as a hindu uh yeah um so there's this um there's this practice of prachahara that when these yogis go into the box some of them when they come out you know, what they do is they lower their heart rate. You know, you've heard of people like Wim Hof and Simon Borg Oliver, these people who do these incredible things in front of, like, infrared cameras to slow down their heart rate and then move heat. Like Simon Borg Oliver, an incredible yogi from Australia, he has got this video where he, it's infrared, he's sitting in front of an infrared camera, and you can see the heat moving around the bundas in his body, the different locks. So a bunda is basically where the joints meet. And he slows his heart rate down to three beats a minute or something ridiculous. And then in that process, he can, you know, he's got free diving sort of records and things like that. I mean, he's, in, he's, he's, he's one of those guys who's stayed in society, but also done a lot of work in, in India and with the sadhus and, 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 you know, the advanced yogis. And, um, and so these guys, what they do is they slow their heart rate right down and, and they're, they're meditating. They're not thinking about trying to get out of the box and they're not thinking about how long they can, um, how long they can stay in there for. Right, it's, it's not a, a contest. No, it's a different mentality than what sure. we expect. You know, people say, oh, I couldn't be a breatharian or there's no such thing. And, um, you know, all of, all of these practices are all about withdrawing the senses. So what these yogis do is they come out in the stories of like 
the beard hasn't even grown on their face hmm. and their hair hasn't grown. When they're in these boxes? Yeah, when they, when go they come out. Like they wow. won't come out after 30 days or six months or a year. You know, there's people who go in these boxes for really long times, wow. you know, and their, their beard and their clothes are eaten by ants and their, their facial hair hasn't even grown. You know, wow. so this is in, this is this is the practice of pratyahara of really withdrawing the senses, and and so yeah, when you're fasting, what you're doing is you there is a cellular pratyahara, there is a withdrawing of the senses. You know, when you get into the practice, and I've done more than seventy fasts, and you know, when you get into that space where you don't feel you're deficient and the fast is going really well, and you feel, you know, really, um, really, really charged up and 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 you know that the, the spirit is coming through you you don't waste energy on things like eating mm-hmm. um you don't want to be around other people when you're fasting so much um because you feel the energy of when you talk about things that are menial or they drain your energy or people are asking questions that require you to give of you um you can feel that energy leaking out of you and in the chinese system they call that leaking jing you know mm. excess work mm-hmm. excess play excess sex excess doing excess thinking all of these excessive actions require an energy is excess facebook on there this excess facebook <laughs> is definitely on there uh for sure and but you know you can do all of these things that can serve you that can bring the energy you know, back in without taking it from other people, but just being a part of a system, you know, like uh, a feedback loop within your environment that mm-hmm. feeds you as you go around. Because we're in a feedback loop with everything around us. Our nervous system, our central nervous system is tuning in. You know, we've got barometers. We know when the weather's going to change, when it's getting cooler. Like we're just dialed in on very subtle levels. But when we eat, what happens is the food numbs us. It puts a layering between our, our nervous system mm. and the in the environment so um so what we have is the practice of fasting which is a cleansing process it allows the digestive system to have a rest and then then we fill up on enzymes you know and the the brain's producing biophotons and the, the sun produces biophotons and the fruit stores biophotons that's the color in the foods mm. see we can see the seven colors of the rainbow and other animals can't like think dogs see in black and white and sharks and you know all these other animals they don't have the vision we have so they have this um so we so each species has a specific integration with its environment has a role to play Mm -hmm. and humans seem to have taken themselves out of that role play for example cats cheetahs what they do is they pick off the weakest of a pack of you know like zebras or gazelles or something or, yeah. yeah they won't go for the bulls they won't go for the ones right at the top of the pack they sit there and what they do is they'll they'll pick the sick one or the weak one or the injured one or um you know the young one or something mm-hmm. like that and what that ensures is that the species uh, the strongest move forwards because as a pack moves through any environment it's marching at the pace of its slowest like soldier sure. Yeah, right. It's so like a network. Yeah, it's a network, right? So yeah. they don't just march off and leave it behind. So so essentially what the integration with the environment that the cats have is and they're completely uh carnivorous. You know, they don't go and eat you know mangoes and things Not like that. Not sugar binging. No, but durians eat uh lions eat durian. Really? Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty Interesting. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think lions love durian. So what what um so what we have is our kind of species-specific integration is, you know, we see the colors of the rainbow. So all the fruits represent 
one of the colors of the rainbow. You've got purple dragon fruit, you've mm-hmm. got mangoes, you've got pineapples, bananas, lemons, oranges, different colored apples. You know, so all of these fruits have a green backdrop with a blue behind it. So we've got the blue, green, and then the colors just hanging on the fruit, off the tree, the colors of the fruit hanging off the tree. And really, you know, there are other animals that can see that, but other animals will just be walking straight past those fruits and they might see that it's all green or, you know, it's all hmm. black and white. So, so you know, from what, from what I'm... You know, I think if if uh, I'm just trying to do the best things that um, that enhance my 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 life mm-hmm. um, and my lifestyle, and try and squeeze as much nectar out of life as I can while I'm here. And you know, if eating meat and smoking cigarettes was the best thing to do, I'd be doing it. Mm. You know, like how, I, how do we know it's not? No, I'm just kidding. Well, I tried it. <laughs> you tried it, yeah, me too. But I didn't try cigarettes. You know, I certainly. I, I tried. I was I was at two packs a day at some point. Dunhill menthols, two packs a day. Menthols. <laughs> Proper. Wow. Proper unhealthy. I was like 19 or 20, though. It didn't, it didn't last for long. That. Yeah. Yeah. I That's would play tennis and like smoke a cigarette during tennis. It was so <laughs> bad. But I, I was like a puffer. I was never really like a good oh, yeah. inhaler. Mm-hmm. Hang so on to it. And, I don't yeah. even know why I did it. It's yeah. kind of weird. I think I just had to burn it off it real quick. Cool. But by the time I was 20, 21, mm. I was done. Mm. Cold turkey, like most stuff. But hey, before we go further, I want to talk to you real quick. Have you ever done a dark room retreat? No, because that's similar. It in some ways is similar, right? Absolutely. Obviously, you're eating in a dark room retreat. You mm. know, you're using the restroom. It's not like going into a box and mm. shutting yourself in. Yeah, but similar. I would think similar effects in certain ways when it mm. comes to like melatonin levels, DMT mm-hmm. levels being mm-hmm. triggered. Mm-hmm. Um, something I would I would like to do. Yeah, for sure. Um, I even sized up this place. I'm like, is there any way I can? Block the bottom floor here off mm-hmm. and just kind of yeah. stay dark for even if it's like a week. Yeah, it'd be super cool. Yeah. Mm. Um, ah, yeah, that's there, pretty can impressive. You, can you dig it? Can you dig underneath seeds? Yeah, that, <laughs> make a good. make a dark tunnel under there. Yeah, under yeah, the yeah. Bar? That'd oh, be awesome. Amazing. That would be yeah. something cool here, actually. Mm. You know, we're getting float tanks in, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we've got so much here. But a dark room retreat would be really, really cool. Yeah. Absolutely, it takes a unique individual to to run those events, you know, to run those retreats because a lot of stuff comes up oh, for people. I can imagine. I can imagine. We're gonna go to the green tea here. All right. I think you're gonna like it. Um, yeah. So I would think that darkroom experience. I my uh, yoga teacher training teacher did a darkroom retreat at a Montauk Chia spot in Chiang Mai, Thailand, mm. and. Uh, he said it was a profound, profound experience. Yeah, he yeah. was so had so many visuals. Was so clear, and his, you would think in pitch black darkness you wouldn't yeah. see anything, but yeah. he was so dialed. He said it was hard. There was some hard spots, but sure, sure. he got soup more limber than he's ever been. Kind of like what you're talking about. He might have fasted actually mm. during this. Mm. Now that I think about it, um, but yeah, that's something I've always wanted to try. It's just about having the time and or making the time and space. Yeah. Um, so Pratyaharya. Pratyahara or Pratyahara? Pratyahara. Yeah, Pratyahara. Yeah, Pratyahara. Um, withdrawal of senses. Um, what What do you do in your daily life that you feel you're practicing Pratyahara? Like in general, let's say you're on the moped or you're, you're surfing, mm. you know, when you're not, quote, in practice. I mean, obviously, we, we want to be in practice mm-hmm. at all times. Mm-hmm. That's at least one of my goals. Yeah. But when you're not, quote, uh, let's say in your practice, in your Ashtanga practice, your meditation practice, what are you doing to withdraw as you're utilizing your senses to mm. be in the world? What are you, what are you doing to withdraw? 
Yeah, it's a, it's a you know you've touched on something really um, really important for those who want to head down the path of you know cultivating themselves into you know more awareness, and that is you know what we you know I love the saying the way we do one thing is the way we do everything. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you know you can tell a lot by a person, uh, you can tell a lot about a person and where they're at by how they practice, you know how they're doing their their asana. Um, their yoga postures. Their yoga Asana. postures, yeah. For you guys. And, uh, you know, because when the person lays their mat out, like, are they sticking their bum in the face of the person next to them? Are they mm. um, are they being too fidgety, fidgety? Are they being too pedantic? Does everything have to line up exactly mm-hmm. with the floorboards underneath? You know, we have a gentleman who's an incredible yoga practitioner, but he has um, OCD. Mm. And, um, you know, it's it's been great you know, to see his development through the the, the rigidity of the Ashtanga practice because the Ashtanga practice doesn't change every day. You do the same thing and as you get more into it, more of the asanas or the postures unfold mm-hmm. and it's it, there's six levels of the Ashtanga system. It's designed so nobody gets to the end of it. It's a, it's a daily practice for the rest of your life, you know. So. As any path of mastery should be. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know that there's anyone, there's probably someone, you know, a bunch of people alive living in the hills of somewhere that can do it all, but it's, it's like there's no one really who is doing the last asanas Mm -hmm. of the six series. So it's one of those. How far are David and Doug, do you know? The brothers? I've got no idea. I mean, have you ever seen them practice? No. Oh. David David Swenson? Swanson and yeah, Doug. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think David got to um, like the, the fourth series and yeah. probably, you know, played around with some of the fifth. Um, a lot of people who get to the fifth just go, I'm, I don't want to, like, do it anymore. You know, I'm just happy with the fourth yeah. series. It's it's really intense. It's just, you know, the by that time, most people, there's still a few people who do advanced series and they're still in the ego. They're still, mm. you know, eating fish and, you know, playing the... The old story in with the flexibility and the Instagram, hundred thousand, ah, yeah, yeah. hundred thousand followers. How many likes can I get? Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you know the spiritual talk underneath a asana that's really difficult for people. And um, you know, and and there's, there's you see there's so many levels, and and there's not like anything that's right or wrong. Again, it's like you know the levels of food. You know, eating fruit is just such a high voltage, and we need to clean ourselves out you know, to be able to handle uh, the high voltage. Mm-hmm. People jump on that sort of lifestyle and they they blow out because they haven't integrated the spiritual work, the day-to-day emotional um, work to go with the high-voltage foods. Yeah, because there's, there's, there's toxins on many levels coming out when you're yeah. transitioning to a diet, like fruitarian. Is that what mm. you're talking about? A fruitarian yeah. diet or yeah. a vegan diet? or Yeah, yeah raw food. Like raw food, raw food. Then you've got like high-fat raw food, which is kind of like the beginning. And then you go into like a low-fat, high-carb raw food, which is more fruit plus vegetables and then you drop the vegetables and you go into you know pretty much a high fruit raw food diet and then you just become like sort of fruit bat are you are you mostly fruitarian from Uh, not from a philosophical standpoint and that you're gonna eat what drops off the the tree but in a just a technical standpoint from what you're actually eating you know i've got a restaurant and I'm always creating new dishes and I've got a raw food academy so I'm oh yeah that's right always teaching Heard great stuff about that. So um, yeah, thanks. And yeah, it's um, so I'm I'm just being real with with where I'm at. I, th- I think ninety percent of the food I eat is fruit or like the soul bowl, uh, soul jar with the chia seed, mm. and um, and and I, I like I'm not trying to be like a fruitarian or 
or anything like that. Um, but I, I definitely, I definitely consume mostly fruit. Um, and then every, you know, I'll, I'll taste a meal every other day at the restaurant just to make sure mm-hmm. that the consistency's there and everything's happening. And um, and I still like sometimes I really feel like a a nice um, you know a curried pizza that we have there or oh, something yeah. like that. That's really um, good. Yeah. Um, but the pressure. There's four. I think you have four pizzas on there now, right? Oh, we've got five. We've got, the th- we've got the four pizza slices, and then there's the spirulina, gorgonzola, um, the fresh spirulina, and wild noni fruit gorgonzola pizza. So that's a whole pizza. Mm. And then there's the curried pizza that has tamarind chutney and sour cream. I thought I had that, but I don't think I have now. It just came it. on the menu three days ago. Oh, no, this, no. You were telling me about it. Yeah, that's right. It's pretty, pretty. So real quick though, just we'll finish off on diet because there's so much other stuff to talk Mm. about with you. Um, When you were just talking about what you eat, I first thought, oh, you know, you're eating what your body feels like. And for me, I hear a lot of people say that, you know, and not 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 that that's what you said, but made me think about that because that's when I ask people. Uh, I, I'm really interested as to why people go from one diet to another, namely mm. from a, a vegan, a strict vegan diet to a meat eating diet mm. generally pretty quickly, mm-hmm. sometimes like overnight. Mm-hmm. And I'm always interested, like what, what happened or what, what called you to do that? What was going on in your body? What was going on in your mind? And most everybody I've quote surveyed, I mean, with a few exceptions of someone's, you know, a couple of people saying, yeah, my doctor said it was really a health issue. Sure. Um, some people were like, you know, just my body liked it. It felt, felt better in my body. Yeah. And, and not that I put that down or judge that, but I'm, I'm, for me, when I'm making food choices like that, um, that are pretty major, uh, I want to check in with other systems, right? Not just my body physical feeling. I want to mm-hmm. check in with my mental and my spiritual health as mm-hmm. well. And I'm part of, part of what my question generally is, is like, okay, so what, what's going on spiritually with your spiritual health as a result of the new diet? Mm. And people don't generally have an answer for me. They're like, yeah. what do you mean? Yeah. Um, I have more energy. I can think clearer. Mm. I'm like, that's great. But mm. what about the other systems? Mm. Um, is that something you ever talk to people about, about the spiritual health of a diet per se? Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think the entry point to, um, to the raw food world and to you know plant-based nutrition or veganism um is is definitely consumption you know that's um we've become these bodies that consume the outside world and when you look at what the body is made up of it's made up of trillions of cells that are made up of molecules that are made up of atoms which are made up of an electron storm. So electrons are virtually immortal. They live for billions of years. And our bodies are essentially made up of immortality phenomena, not food. And when the male and the female gametes meet, a biologist notices that they fuse and disappear. And then when they come back out into the, like, the visible light spectrum, mm. the parent cell has formed just like magic, this parent cell comes and then this invisible silver thread or silver cord, they call it, comes along and slices that parent cell in half and then in quarters and then the four seed electrons just magically appear. So trippy, man. 
and nowhere along that line is food or vitamin C or protein or any like it's it's an it's it's at the level of electrons. It's not even a physical thing yet. It's before atoms. It's before molecules and it's before cells. So the body's made up of cellular division of an invisible force that calls through the creative principle into mm. action. And nowhere along that line do we have carrots jumping in and saying, righto, we've got it from here. We'll, yeah. t- we'll do the rest of the work. So there's this, you know, when you get into sort of esoteric knowledge or occult knowledge, and that is just knowledge that's hidden from, you know, the, 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 the mainstream view, mm-hmm. um, you see that... You know, there's this, there's, there's a, there's a bunch of kind of philosophies or, or common, I call them cosmic common sense uh, analogies, and that is, you know, that which is cannot create that which it is not. Hmm. Yeah. So an orange tree, no matter how old that orange tree, if that orange tree was a thousand years old, it would never produce an apple, it would never produce a banana, it would never produce. A toadfish. Until the humans fuck with it. Until the humans start <laughs> messing around with it, right? So that which is cannot create that which it is not. So where do things come from is a linear thought in, in the mind, in the brain. See, the brain is linear and the spirit is nonlinear. See, the spirit exists in its own dimension of time and it moves faster than the speed of light. So that means it's everywhere at once or omnipresent. When something is everywhere at once, it has access to all knowledge, omniscience. And then when something has all knowledge, then it becomes all powerful. So our spirit is essentially not made up of food. It has access to all the data and it is uh, all powerful. We've heard of women lifting up the backs of cars off their babies, you know, to save the child and things like that. But when the girls come around in the afternoon and then she cracks a bottle of champagne and say, watch me lift the back of the station wagon up, she can't do it because yeah. she's in the linear external world of ego, the yeah. conscious mind of man. So where things come from are not the physical world. They come from the invisible world. So everything is invisible first, and the Aboriginal people call this the dream time, and then it becomes physical. Hmm. So everything is spiritual, and we see the physical manifestation of its intent, or the hologram of its intent. So, so is there a way to reverse that in a way that... So let's talking about, let's say, pranic energy and food. Pranic energy being what I would consider the energy that's at the precipice at the source of what you're describing, right? That, that, that light energy, that energy that's beyond, you know, vitamins and minerals and descriptors. It's, yeah. it's the energy that, that biophotons, they call yeah, biophotonic yeah. energy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So how do we go backwards? Right? So how do we, how do we make choices in our diet that, that, that food or that source, whatever that is, minerals mm. or whatever, mm. have more biophotonic mm. energy. Mm. Um, so if, if if that level of creation at the electron level is dependent on that biophotonic light, how do we then eat for our spirit as well mm. as eat for our body and our mind? Is there yeah is there a way to like for 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 just most people out there to yeah. determine it without knowing mm. the esoterics of it? You know how would how would a normal person 
make informed choices without getting too much into the data to, to put the most life force into there or get the most life force out of their food. Sure, sure. You know, and, and you've, you've, touched on, you've touched on it a couple of times now and that's choice. You know, what are our choices? And I think before we can, you know, we often like to put the cart before the horse, like we'll go out and we'll buy all these supplements and things like that and we won't really do any research on it. We don't have the initiative or the right intent mm-hmm. to do these things. So if we can ask the right questions in life, we will divine the right answers we will ascertain you know the answers we seek but we need to learn how to ask questions and i think there's a fundamental basic principle to um, every species and when you get reach the level of humanity and you know people often like to say oh well cavemen used to eat meat and lions eat meat and Mm. you know we you know let's use that analogy of what a lion eats a lion will go and hunt down a wild beast, tear it open with its teeth and its claws, which are specifically designed to tear apart that leather, that really tough, and that would just eat the guts straight out of it, blood it's, and all. Yeah, that goes right for the organs, right? Goes Those straight are the most into nutrient it. dense. Yeah, and while it's warm and pumping, now I'll never see a human go and suck the guts out of any animal. Yeah. And we don't have the faculties like your fingernails will split and break, and you don't have the the teeth. And if people say we've got canines, the well, some biologists power. call yeah. it a canine. It's not what they're actually called. So what happens is people like to say, well, I've, you know, lions eat meat. Well, lions also eat their babies. If there's too many in the litter or if there's competition, a lion will eat their baby. Mm. So we, people are going to say, well, you know, lions eat their babies, so I'm going to eat my baby. You know, <laughs> I mean, we just, we've got to start informing ourselves with, the, you know, the common sense. And that is, what are our choices? Now, people, you've mentioned it before, you know, one, uh, one example was that a person started eating meat and it felt good in their body again. Now, there are people, you know, and this is an exact um, representation of how we've come so far in our existence because we've become so codependent. Our health, for some people, their health requires so much and it, it, it depends so much on the suffering of others. So when we're eating meat and mm-hmm. when someone says, I cannot go without meat, I need iron or I need this, or, I need B12 or whatever, whatever story people are saying, when they say that, what they're saying is, my genetics and myself and my choices have made me so dependent on the suffering of others. And it's not necessary because I've been vegetarian for 20 years. I've been eating vegan food for 11, like I mm-hmm. haven't eaten any meat product for 11 years. I've been raw for 10 years, like um, I just mainly eat fruit. Now, I've got the same blood and like I've got red blood like every other human. I'm actually no different and blood type's got nothing to do with it, believe me. Hmm. Blood type's got nothing to do with it. I'm the blood type that should be eating meat. Yeah. Yeah, That's I'm no, o, right? I'm the O blood oh, yeah. type. My I daughter's should, an O as well. I've, I've had O blood my whole life and I am <laughs> the, like, I get my blood tests all the time. I am not deficient. My doctors who do the blood tests just go, what are you doing? Your B12, mm-hmm. your, you know, like it's, it's all there, you know? So my, what, my daughter did the same thing. She's right. 22 years vegan, born and raised, always has been. Yeah. And she took her blood test to one of those doctors that was like, you know, veganism is bad for your health. Yeah. And the doctor was blown away. Mm. She's like, what, what are you doing? What, what are you taking? Yeah. It's like, no, I'm not taking anything. I'm eating a plant-based diet. And, and doctors that will continue to say, well, you know, we'll just wait for a little bit longer and you'll go out of balance. I mean, I seriously am beginning to think that those people have a specific agenda because if they don't have sick people, they don't have a job. Right. I mean, it's a nasty thing to say. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I just, I just think why would people continue to encourage something that's not a 
dietary requirement. Meat and dairy are not dietary requirements. They're, they're passions, they're enjoyments, they're things that people enjoy to do. Mm-hmm. So essentially what people yeah. are saying is they enjoy the suffering. They enjoy the factory farms. I worked for Ingham's chickens, you know, in a factory farm there. Um, I wanted the experience, so I went to do this in Australia for six weeks so I could own the experience. After you were vegetarian? Yeah. To, to just see what it was like? Just to see what it was like. And I wanted to know the people who worked there, how the management worked, what sort of chemicals they were using. I wanted to know the whole deal. I didn't want to read about it and watch documentaries anymore. I wanted my own experience. And, you know, like that's a pretty big farm and they've got like regulations and everything. And I, and I was just, I was really appalled that that was the level um, of acceptance that we've become numb to, mm. you know, like we, we are okay with that. And, and a lot of people don't know. I mean, not mm. that they don't want it or... It's not that they're trying to know, but they just they don't have or want the data, and yep. and uh, you know back to why people eat it. A lot of times, you know, <clears throat> I, I think if people really knew, like if the slaughterhouses had glass walls, right? I think we'd have a lot of vegetarians, and more so if people had to actually do it themselves. You know, they had to yeah. skin the animal, shoot the animal, or not even shoot it. That's not even fair. If they had to take the animal down with their hands, yeah, I, I think we just wouldn't be able to do it, and uh, and so. I think when, when people eat it, they like the... Now I always say this to people. I'm like, do you really like the flavor of the barbecue chicken? Or is mm. it the actual sugar, tomato mix of the barbecue sauce that you like? Yeah, because you know, we garnish meat? meat with vegetables, don't we? Yeah, yeah. And sauces. And, and meat isn't actually... I mean, I guess certain meats can be flavorful, mm. right? If mm. you cook them in a certain way. Sure. Right? And so it's like... But you've got to put a sauce with it. Yeah, yeah. A bit of sauce and you're good, you're good to go. So a lot of people, I think, not everybody, but they mistake the, f- quote, flavor for actually the sauce or the treatment or the way they mm-hmm. cure, yeah. cure it or cook, cook it. And um, not, that, not that I want this episode to be about... Veganism, no, but, but, right, it's, but, but it's super important. If you go to a supermarket, what you're connecting to is a bunch of flesh that's packaged nicely and it's been bleached so all the chicken fillets look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's been treated so in such a way that there is no connection to the heart. I mean, I, I really believe that most people um, are good people. You know, I, I really believe human Absolutely. human nature is, isn't is the type of nature that enjoys inflicting pain and suffering mm-hmm. we've been cornered into this way of life you know like we're, we're so judgmental and you know there's the blacks versus the whites there's the you know this county versus that county and you know it's it's like that is a product of our environment that we didn't create so much like mm-hmm. you know we've got our our handlers or our governments who create these environments and they're the ones creating the division you have apple or you have samsung or you know like there's division everywhere we look mm-hmm. but really I, I don't think that at the root of it you know you you have a natural disaster and you watch how good people will be to each absolutely. other absolutely you know I, people, I use that example often right they will self-organize and they come together so yeah there is a definite disconnection um and you know just getting on to this like this the is there a spiritual link between the food that we eat absolutely because the physical again is a manifestation of our internal world so whatever we're feeling on the inside is what we reach out for is what we put out for and as we live in a world an electron-based world, it's its all like birds of a feather flock together. So whatever you're putting out for from inside you, from your spirit, from your genetic entity, who you are, you know, are you in the body or are you the body? You ask yourself that question. Am I the body or am I in the body? And you can just say to yourself, my finger 
or I finger. Right. What do I say? I say my finger, like I say my scooter. I know that the scooter isn't me and I use it to get around in. So so the language we even say to ourselves is, yeah, I'm in this body. Mm-hmm. So there is the genetic entity which, you know, is looking like it's a highly evolved electron if you're in a human form. That that electron is putting out a frequency and it attracts back or into its field the electrons that are vibing on the same sort of vibe and that's how they say birds of a feather flock together so if that's the case <clears throat> if if you're let's say congruent with the the resonant activity or the vibrational activity of let's say your collective electron mm-hmm. field mm-hmm. and you're taking in stuff that matches that vibrational mm-hmm. frequency mm-hmm. would that be as unhealthy quote quote unquote unhealthy for a person versus someone who is at a more refined let, let's say like someone's had a vegan diet for a long time than doing something unhealthy. Yeah. You know, I wonder if, you know, I wonder if that's why people are feeling more healthy because the, 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 let's say the vibrational frequency of the meat might be matching more where their internal vibration is yeah, at that's and, right. and, and it might feel better in that way. Mm. Um, so, so what happens is, you know, when, where the damage gets done is when a person reaches far beyond, you know, where they're at you know, when they're reaching above their pay grade or they're trying to get involved with something that they're not ready for. But the ego says, yeah, I'm ready to try this, you know, 40-day water fast or I'm ready to do the raw food thing, you know, and and really they're not and they don't listen to these signs and then they'll continue on that path and they might do damage to their spleen, they might do damage to their internal um, uh, chi mobilization and as a result, then they'll turn around and say, well, I tried the raw food thing and it doesn't work. Right. And then they'll, if, if they've got an audience, they'll disparage it and they'll, they'll go yeah, and try to put data out on it. Birds of feather will flock together and then they'll have a, a bunch of, of other people stand up and say, yeah, well, I tried it too and it didn't work. And, yeah. and then what we see is people who present themselves as, you know, spiritual beings or people who are ready, you know, they, it's easy to adopt a language and put on some clothes and wear some mala beads and then, mm-hmm. but really when you take a good glance at you know the daily practices the way they treat each other the way they talk to their weight staff you know the way they get on their scooter and if they're like pushing the other bikes out of the way or if they've got an angry face or if they're really calm and just smiling again Mm. this goes back to your original question i think we answered but this is all about prachihara you know like just being in a peaceful state and, and withdrawing the senses in those moments um you know so you can see where a person truly is the way we do one thing is the way we do everything, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. So you can you can you can see if a person is really integrated within themselves, and then they'll attract that food. And there's also some people who are quite evolved as a person, and they still eat meat, like the Dalai Lama, you know, like the Dalai Lama. However, people like that also um, have got a layer that perhaps is not sensitive to the bigger picture and that is when we come back to choice we don't have to eat that food and we don't have to inflict that suffering because Mm -hmm. when you go and work in one of these places and you see the amount of suffering so when a woman is eating beef and Mm -hmm. drinking milk and she calls herself a feminist i won't say anything right but i will be very cautious of the words that come out of her mouth and the amount of you know, here we are in Ubud, we live in a spiritual community, but people are eating meat, right? And the goddesses and the women who are sort of, you know, portraying themselves as this type haven't removed that layer yet where they've connected to this feminine archetype Mm -hmm. within the animal kingdom, yeah? And so it's like only the human feminists are feminists and the animals aren't feminine as well. But what happens with a female cow is she gets chained up for her life 
can, in a, kept in a state of perpetual pregnancy so mm-hmm. she can continue with her milk flow. And then if she, every child that she has, every calf that she has, if it's a male, it gets shot and killed because they can't use them. Or, or, or turned into veal. Yeah. And then the calf, the female calf, gets raised and kept in perpetual pregnancy. And it's a gnarly word. You can edit this. But those calves, those cows get raped their entire life yeah, yeah, against yeah. their free will. And then it's okay for a feminist, for a woman to say, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to drink this milk because I need the calcium. When the calcium doesn't even work in the body the way that nutritionists are saying they are, I haven't drunk dairy for most of my life and mm-hmm. I don't have any calcium deficiencies. So, you know, again, it all comes down to choice and it comes down to how much of the veil have we removed and how much are we willing to remove. And we can only ever be where we're at. You know, we, we've got to be 100% who we are in the moment. You right. know, like an orange can't be an apple. Right. Yeah, a pelican can't be a banana. You know, the pelican's got to be the best pelican that it can be. See, I like to think of it as we're, we're seeds, you know, as, as opposed to like, let's say, how do you like this oolong, by the way? Yeah, really nice. Yeah. Um, nice drawing, actually. It's got a nice yeah. drawing. Cool. Um, I like to think of us as seeds, like the same plant as opposed to a different plant. I like to think of the fact that we're just at different stages of, mm. you know, if we're a sprout, we're not necessarily able to flower, right? Mm. If we're, you know, a seedling, we can't be a mighty oak. And mm. so I think we're all on the, on the path of potentiation at some level. Mm. Um, it's just where are we in that, in that relative to ourselves in that mm. path, yeah. right? Because it's all different for everybody. You know, at some level, I would say it's probably similar, right? You said your blood's the same color as my blood, right? We breathe mm-hmm. the same air. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what skin you, color you have or what, uh, what you know, country you're raised in. We, mm-hmm. we all are very similar, and our DNA mm-hmm. is even more, more similar, even yeah. exactly the same. Exactly the same. So, you know, part of me, without trying to sound dogmatic, I, I feel like we're kind of on the same path in a mm-hmm. way. What, mm-hmm. Whether we realize what that path is or not, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's, a, there's a linear or maybe it's not even linear. Maybe it's, you know, got more of a dimensionality to it. Maybe it's not so A to B. Mm-hmm. But whatever that spectrum of, of expansion is, I feel like we're on a similar, mm. a similar trajectory as humans, right? You know, I might be in first grade or kindergarten and somebody else might be in graduate school. But eventually, I can get to graduate school. Mm. I just, I'm not quite sure if that's a... A lifetime thing or if, or what you know I, I've come to the place where I've the older I get the more I realize I don't know and the less I I'm attached to, to knowing what it is I used to think I knew or what it is I want to know it's you know if I have a desire to understand something I don't need to actually grasp the essence of it you know in a, in a mental way anymore it's more like um and what I'm trying to describe is the difference between what I call knowing, like inner knowing and, and, and let's say believing and then data, right? And I'm less attached to knowing data these days mm-hmm. and I'm more attached to just kind of getting that, getting that internal visceral feeling mm-hmm. of knowing something. Mm-hmm. And, and so I don't know what the data is behind the fact that I think we're on the same trajectory as humans, but I have a feeling, a deep internal feeling that we're all on that same, we're all on the same path in some way and uh and so at some point it gets harder for me to judge others for their choices um because first of all i know i was there at some point absolutely i used to eat more meat i tell people more meat in my first 20 years Mm. to last me you know the lifetime Mm. and i can't say anything to anybody about it um 
because I did my fast food twice a day, mm -hmm. you know, breakfast at the gas station, uh, hot dog or two for breakfast. It was a pretty nasty diet. Sure. Um, and then I cold turkeyed and it's 22 years later. I haven't looked back. Um, but so, you know, I guess, you know, that's diet. We definitely covered diet and the energetics of food to a certain degree. We touched on it. Um, but how do we, you know, how do you, how do you feel we hold humanity as a, as a collective, um, as an individual within a collective, how do we hold, uh, others in the collective responsibility of, of being human, right? So for example, I want to give people the choice. Obviously I have to, because it's their sovereign choice to do what they want. But when you see that that choice is perpetrating limitation or harm on, on another being, mm -hmm. then it gets harder for me to accept that, accept that action. You know, the worst case being doing something harmful to a child, mm. right. Um, or another human and then to an animal, right. Mm. It, to me, it's, it's like, where do we draw the line as, as, people on this team of humanity, where do we draw the line and say, Hey guy, Hey lady, this is, this is not cool anymore. Totally. Um, because at some point, if you're smoking in my house, a cigarette, I got to mm. breathe that cigarette smoke. Yeah. If you're, if you're chopping down an animal to eat and that's causing degradation to my environment mm. or something, it's kind of like smoking in my house. It's kind of like affecting me. So totally. at what point I wonder, is it, is it appropriate? And, and you know, at what point is it appropriate to actually bring this to people's attention, but do it in a way that, that is more for them, right? It's not a, it's not an angry against them. You're doing the wrong thing. Yeah. So my question is, how do you feel like we, I might, I, I might know how you're going to answer this, but how do we, how do we bring the most suggestion for change in these ways that we might feel are, are more healthy, you know, eating a certain diet, treating the planet a certain way, treating others a certain way. Um, I mean, my short answer is we, we, we be what we want to see, right? We, we do that thing mm. and then hopefully other people will see it, but that's not necessarily the fast route. So do you, how do you feel about that? Do you have a certain opinion mm. on how to bring knowledge in that way to people? I mean, obviously opening a restaurant and being what you, what you are is a big one. Yeah. The, you know, the numbers don't lie. You know, the mm -hmm. 800 gallons of water to produce one cheeseburger, you know, is pretty kind is that of... All? <laughs> yeah, that's all. So those of you out there who are taking two-minute showers and feeling guilty that your tap drips and you're freaking out because you're overusing water and you're eating cheeseburgers, you know, it's time to, you know, remove the veil and just have a look at, you know, what the numbers are doing, you know, and, and our relationship to that. So I think the way to remove opinion is to look at data and look at facts and look at how, like, our actions and what they mean, you know. And it comes down to removing veils. There's, you know, vegan people who also go out and buy a pair of leather shoes and they'll have like a leather belt. Mm -hmm. And it's not like they, they just haven't made the connection yet and they're not bad people. They just haven't made the connection yet. Mm -hmm. So I'll go up to that person who's, you know, like promoting the plant-based lifestyle and, you know, I've, I've said this before, it's like, uh, so how's that belt going? You know, like, or nice shoes where do they come from and just bring them into that state of awareness very slowly and gently mm -hmm. and then say so did you buy that or is that like something you had before you went vegan and you're just still wearing it because you're taking responsibility for your actions and you're not going to just palm it off to someone and say well that's not me i don't wear you know like there's there's a level of reality 
And a lot of people aren't ready for that because what we have in our environment are accumulations of fluoride, of artificial flavors and colors and preservatives. Mm-hmm. We have artificial sweeteners, aspartame. We have, um, you know, we have these chemi- chemicals in our environment um, that are there that, you know, I'm, I'm going to say that they're not very good for people and they do things like, you know, you heard of, uh, you know, that Diet Coke company and they got sued for having phenylethylamine in their product and the jury in America said, you don't have to take it out, you just put it on the can. Oh, wow. Right? And what it does is it stops people from um, um, distinguishing between right and wrong, but it was also eating the grey matter out of people's brains. And, and so they just kept it on the can, you know, they didn't take mm. it out. So, like... Is this, is this a component of aspartame? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the artificial sweetness. So, um, you know, so, so there, there are people who, like, what about xylitol? It comes from the birch tree. Or, you know, like, why not use mm-hmm. that, which is like zero sugar? Why not use that instead of something that rots your brain and stops you from distinguishing what's right and wrong because it stops the left and right hemispheres of the brain from communicating mm-hmm. clearly, you know? So, um, and How about then, stevia? How do you feel about stevia? Yeah, I mean, stevia as a leaf is good, but when it gets processed into a white powder, you know, it's it's um, it's taking on a totally different like alchemical form. Mm-hmm. But you know, th- there's these processes that we um, that we need to. It's almost like, you know, what we're teaching our children at school and what we're learning at school does not prepare us for facing the real challenges that we face today in the world. What we're learning in school is how to run businesses and how to be in the economic world and the economic world is destroying the planet because you know because everything needs to meet a bottom line and businesses need to make a profit Mm -hmm. they take huge shortcuts and that's why there's chemical runoffs and all these um, ecological disasters uh, as a result of our choices and we're only making choices based on the information that we have so we how do we how do we get people to make the right choices well it's all around education Mm. and it's not about personally attacking people and saying you know hey you're a bad person because that that vegan person or the person you know who's not eating animals wearing the leather shoes they just haven't made the connection yet you introduce them to making the connection in a way that's empowering and makes them make the connection for themselves like there's a way to educate people and everyone has a different way of learning so the structure like you know i remember going to school and the one teacher would just teach me the way that they think yet not everyone thinks the way that they think some people need to touch some people need to hear some people need to do you know so we're all different and and a more integrative process on learning is definitely the way forward um and it everything always comes down to education so people can make informed choices because the numbers don't lie the data doesn't lie mm-hmm. you pour a chemical over a plant and watch it die yeah and then we're going to eat that um so that's a fundamental level of reality you can't lie about that yeah do you think so do you think people care i mean i find that a lot of people i observe just you know, I think maybe that's part of the way the system's set up, but they, they just don't have time to be bothered. They don't have time to be bothered about yeah. their own health, you know, until it's too late. And then even then, you know, I've, I've seen people get cancer and they go back to smoking or they, you know, mm. they, they have a certain disease and they, quote, cure it. I don't know if it's a cure to cut something out, but mm. they, they, they've removed that. Find a bypass. Yeah, they've removed <clears throat> that actual, you know that actual symptom and then they continue to go about the lifestyle there that that caused the symptom and so 
you know, maybe that's part of the system we're in, you know, obviously is that it, it sets itself up so that, you know, you don't have time, energy, mm. uh, abundance, mm. uh, or wherewithal to actually care about the things that you matter. That might photons, you're not connected. Yeah. Biophotons move faster than the speed of light, speed of light. And the biophotons from food is what give us our sixth sense. So our spiny sense, the sense that you can feel from someone else, oh, this person's got a good vibe or, mm-hmm. oh, geez, I haven't spoken to such and such for a while and then they call you that day or, you know, these little things that happen throughout yeah, our day that. that are beyond the physical realm, um, these, that's the sixth sense. And this is how, like, if a fish is under, under the water and it's going to, like, eat a bunch of small little fish, the little fish gather together to make a big shape, like, there's no talking that goes on under the water. They use biophotons mm-hmm. to communicate. So our cells use biophotons to communicate. And because biophotons move faster than the speed of light, then our body also has connection to everything. If it's, um, so I think, that, you know, the biggest thing, the biggest way that we're going to make changes is to get people reconnected mm-hmm. to the source of creation yeah and the source of creation is the biophotons is the 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 all-pervading prime mover of the universe which is intent mm-hmm. driven with the biophotons and everything all the trees use biophotons to communicate the buff the, the butterflies they don't talk but they know what's going on you know there's no like many animals don't don't talk or make sounds um and underwater like there is no sound under there so you know if we are deficient in the most important nutrient biophotons biophotons mm-hmm. then we're not connected within ourselves so if our if our so cells use biophotons to communicate and if we're deficient then our cells aren't communicating together and if our cells aren't communicating together then our spirit and our body is not really communicating so if you get sick in one area mm-hmm. then the cells aren't sending the message to the brain to release the hormones to get the enzymes active to go in there and fight that disease mm-hmm. so then the body starts to break down now you look at that as a microcosm then you look at the macrocosm of humanity and the social environment that we're in if we don't have biophotons then we're not going to commu- communicate to each other as a humanity as humanity right. and then the, our world leaders so that all the way up you know to our handlers they're not going to make the best decisions based on what's right for the environment because they're not receiving the inputs (laughs) well they're our handlers right we've 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 become we've given them that ability we've given them that yeah 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 yeah. so and we just love it you know we just love going to work and bragging that we work 60 hours a week and you know we're just this incredible human being we're like a machine we're like a big mycelium network yeah that's doing something for somebody it seems like yeah and i don't uh, and where does it go but the end of it is like it's not all doom and gloom. The the way right. back to the connection is through the biophotons. I mean, nature doesn't lie. We are a part of nature and we've removed ourselves from it. And people get huge, huge results from doing like a seven-day juice feast, mm-hmm. just drinking nothing but juices and having colonics and enemas and doing a bit of a skin gua sha and maybe mm-hmm. a liver flush and just cleaning out the obstructions. See, we can't make sense of the world in a body that's lost its senses. And the senses come from physical, visceral and the non-physical experience. Mm -hmm. And if those aren't in tune, then how do we know what decisions are the best to make? So here we are, we've got all this technology, we've got Tesla, we've got all this stuff coming out, but these people, they're not eating like the high-vibe foods that are freshly picked organic. Do you know that if you eat foods that aren't organic and they have that Monsanto Roundup, there's a chemical in the Roundup, and what it does is it very conveniently blocks your body's ability to absorb the non-essential amino acids our body needs from food. Mm. That means the essential amino acids that your body produces on its own are still functioning, yet 
the non-essential amino acids that mm -hmm. we get from our environment, the body cannot take them in. So our body is deficient in the building blocks for its whole life. Yeah. So, so what we really need to do is not look at so much as you know free energy. I mean, like all that stuff's coming anyway. But we really need to get to get connected to see how much of it we actually need. Once we get really connected, then we'll see that oh. Right now, we're looking at how much power it takes for the earth in this state of consciousness mm -hmm. to run. But if we start to get connected and start to peel back, people aren't going to use Facebook and stuff all the time because they're going to be more connected. Sure. They're going to have less requirements from the external world because they've already got it going on in the internal world. We're not going to have these huge like factories and farms and you know the, all these machinery because people are just going to be eating fruit that grows over the over the field and you only need to plant a tree once and then it's just going to give you fruit for a lifetime yeah. like and eating carrots and discontinuing the life cycle of potatoes and cutting lettuces up and you know discontinuing the life cycle we're in a you know that's the culture of death so the culture of life which is you know picking the low-hanging fruit mm -hmm. that um you know uh, really gives us all the biophotons that we need, then we start to see that our consumption for other things is going to go down because our basic needs are being met. When our basic needs are being met, we don't set up subsequent needs. The reason we've set up all these mm -hmm. subsequent needs like spirituality and religion and sacred geometry and music and sex and art and all these things that we go to for energy are only there because our basic needs are not being met. You know, of course. I mean, ultimately, that's why we're in physical form, right? Because some deep spiritual need hasn't been met. And we come here to meet that need. That's part of the reason, I think. Yeah, you know? in a very positive way. I don't, yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't think it's a broken way. I don't think it's like, you know, we're broken, so we come here to learn how to fix ourselves. No, it's a, well, it's a result, right? It's just kind of where we're at. Like right now, I have to eat food. Because that's just where I've evolved to right now. Mm -hmm. You know, if mm -hmm. I do more practice, maybe I don't need to eat as much food. Mm -hmm. Maybe I don't need to eat food at all. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's progression. It's on that, we're on that trajectory, right? Yeah. But this is, this physical planet, this 3D world we're in, this construct is one, you know, stopping point or one point along the way. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm not quite sure what's beyond it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it'd be nice to have a little, little sense of it. Mm. Gives you a little motivation, you know, to kind of want to, pierce through the veil as you said the veil um what about that veil what do you think the veil is who do you think's holding that veil well it's it it's a veil of belief system you know like um imagine if you were to set up a game imagine if you were to set up a game and you required participation for that game mm -hmm. and you couldn't go around and beat a bunch of free-willed humans into submission because they're not really going to get a lot of output. Imagine what you required was their free will to participate. You required them to get up every day and participate in your game. That's how you were going to get the most out of them. I mean, you could beat them into right. submission. You could do that. And some people like a good kick up the bum. But really, overall, like you know, we like to have our freedoms and therefore we can get up and give a little bit more the next day. So... Imagine if there was some sort of game of control, you know, where people just pay taxes and keep driving the machine. And you decided to set the game up so that you would infect or plant the seed or the virus into those beings that they're the problem. You know that um, 
you know, that, that we are a part of some nasty game. And there's nothing we can do about it. As a humanity. Yeah, because mm. the game's too big. There's nothing we can do about it. Right. So we become powerless. So then what we do is we just go along day by day. Um, or you haven't even reached that level yet and you're still watching TV and you're still doing your nine to five without really questioning, you know, your, your place on earth and still not ready for the conversation of maybe there's more outside this planet that's going on and, mm -hmm. you know, maybe you're not ready for that yet and, and that's okay. But all what keeps us in check, what keeps us in that holding pattern is a belief system. It is an invisible force that we take on and we hold it in place. We give it validation because what, that be what any belief system does is validate who we are and where we're at. Mm -hmm. And the, it gives us strength. And as long as we, and this is how trauma stays within a being. Trauma stays there because the person has told themselves a story that they require it, that they deserve it, or that it has become part of their identity. Mm -hmm. You know, and we just love to have, you know, an identification we're in the, when we're in the linear world, when we're in the, the physical body or the ego. So it, these traumas and belief systems become part of our identity because we, we like to also have a, an understanding not an inner standing, but an understanding of the concept that I know who I am and I've got it all under control. But actually, we're all scared shitless. We haven't got a clue what's going on. Deep down, when you start peeling back the layers... I sure don't have a clue. You, we have, actually haven't got a clue. And yep. people don't want to face that. They don't want to know that. So we set up these little tiny stories. I'm Bob the Builder. Or I'm Thomas the Tank Engine. I'm like, you know, right. whatever. I'm that guy and I'm the painter. And I'm the nail guy. That's and my identity. That's my identity. That's my place in the, in, yeah. the, in the confusion of unknowing. At least I know who I am. Or at least I, mm. you know, that's kind of the thing. So what, what are some of the components of the belief, of the belief system? Um, of the veil. The belief system that, that perpetrates or continues mm. the veil. Mm. Um, well, f well, firstly, I'd just like to finish to say that, you know, if we've been given this belief system that we are not enough, that mm -hmm. we are just this mistake, this random thing floating around, you know, in, in space and there's no point to it all. And the story that we've come from monkeys, again, I said orange doesn't become an apple. Where are the monkeys jumping out of the jungle, putting on board shorts and working on computers? And we can't just say there's like this, you know, species jumping thing where all of a sudden the species stops producing you never see out of the billions of humans reproducing like a monkey come right. out of one of them, just like a throwback. You know, like you do, you might have like a family full of blondes or brown heads and then like a little redhead red will come out, a little ranger will come out. But it doesn't, like a monkey doesn't come out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's so ridiculous yeah. to think that we've come from another species when you start to put your common sense hat on mm -hmm. and you see that things have always been here. The universe doesn't create this linear thing where everything comes out of like a bacterial uh, manifestation mm -hmm. and we don't like, you know, I was talking to an anthropologist and they said, you know, hippopotamuses come from whales. And, and from whales? Yeah, because they've got a hip. This is what they teach at the, you know, whatever university she went to. But because whales, you know, there's this story that they like to tell us that's really disempowering that we have this story of um, we've come from uh, and there's an agenda to it. We've come from this bacteria and now we're humans. We're highly evolved. We're at the top of the food chain. And what that means is we have this attitude of, well, I don't give a, a cahoot. Um, I'm going to do whatever I want because I'm at the top of the food chain. And that means that we've evolved out of all of these lower forms. And this is what mm. gives us our 
belief system that we can trash the environment because we're we can, at the top. We can eat other things. We can eat other things. Yeah. We, um, and so part of the beliefs and part of the structure is it's invisible and it, it's freely held onto by the individual. Nobody can make you hold on to a belief system. Mm-hmm. But there can be environments and situations like look at Lebanon. You can have a government who's just going to traumatize the bejesus out of people and then people are going to set up belief systems around that and say, well, I'm Lebanese and I'm this type of person. When the spirit isn't male or female, the spirit doesn't come from Lebanon, the spirit isn't mm-hmm. African. You know, the spirit is a genetic entity. It, it is... Um, it is well, it's basically an electron which doesn't have male or female, but it has an identification. It has, this, uh, an, it has a reflection upon itself based on the amount of experiences that it's had. And right. it sets up the experiences that it has, forms an identity, forms of belief systems. So they're intangible. They're not something that we can see directly, but we can see them manifest in our, like, you know, for me, I'm bald, I've got no hair. So that's a belief system that's been set up through the genetics and also through my spirit's experience. And we all have these physical things that you know, we're not proud of or would like to change a little bit of us. Um, and they're a result of, you know, if, you've, if you guys ever want to study epigenetics and Bruce Lipton, you know, the story that you know, we are above genetics. Epigenetics is, mm-hmm. epi means above and genetics is our genes. So whatever dialogue we're telling ourselves in the body, whatever frequency is running through the interstitial fluid and in the cells and in the DNA, that is what um, we, the DNA reproduce from. Mm. So, you know, there's some, uh, there's some people who are really doing a lot of work in overcoming the patterns and the old stories and limitations we tell through our belief systems to free themselves from these restrictions that we're hanging on to mm-hmm. and you know that's a that's a science and the guy bruce lipton he was an assistant to the guy who first started stem cell research in the 60s you know he had all the funding from from america to do the stem cell research and what he noticed was that it didn't matter whether it was a liver stem cell or a bone or something like that mm-hmm. it, the environment dictated what it grew into all oh, right so we are a product of our environment. So if there's trauma in our environment, if we've got you know, religion or if we've got indoctrination, mm-hmm. then we take on these belief systems and then they become our reality. They become the construct for the exactly the building block. That we, yeah, the building it's like an amino acid, yeah. a non-physical amino acid. And we can change that. We don't have to identify ourselves with the story that we've been told because, you know... Um, I don't want to be that child who was abused and I want to be, you know, it's identifying with the story that I did have and then Mm -hmm. stopping it there, you make the identification and you say, right, well, I don't want to be that anymore. And then the next thing is, well, what do I want? I want to be, you know, this other type of person who has these attributes. And so then you just start telling yourself this. It's like the Balinese culture, you know, like you just, you, you have a practice, a cultivation practice and eventually one day the idea is that you are living in that realm because you've told yourself enough or tricked yourself into believing mm-hmm. that you are in this field and then all of a sudden one day you find yourself in that field. It's like coming to Bali, one minute you're thinking, oh, I want to go to Bali and next minute you're here. There's no difference to the way that mm-hmm. works and the same as belief systems. We can, you call it tricking yourself out of it or as long as we've really let go and worked on where the belief systems come from. And, uh, you know, holographic kinetics is a very powerful system that's assisted me and I've had over 3,600 clients using the system to access those limiting belief systems that we're carrying. Mm -hmm. And it was just um, recognized by 
very like one of the most rigorous scientific um, peer-reviewed institutions around alternative medicine uh, as a modality that heals autism. So we're working with autistic really? kids. And um, yeah, I just put the thing up on f- Facebook the other day, the, the, the data sheet and the um, straight off their website where, you know, kids that have, you know, autism from vaccinations, mm-hmm. um, we take these kids on and, um, you know, through accessing the causes of why they have these um, why they have autism, um, you know, we have kids come back to 70% good again, you know, within, wow. yeah, 70%, it's huge, where they can go to school and they're not violent, they're not angry, they can hold attention. And that's that's documented. That's like you know, to one of the top most rigorous peer-reviewed um, scientific journals for alternative medicine um, in the world has recognized holographic kinetics as a modality that heals trauma. And so when you've got a, when you've got a, a study or when you've got a body of people who recognize that the trauma today mm-hmm. is something that is still that we're hanging on to it from our past life that's huge so holographic kinetics goes into past life trauma uh-huh. as yep. well let's uh <coughs> let me put some more water on i want to sure. go into this mm. i want to i want to touch on this i'm gonna put some more water on we're gonna move to <coughs> move to some puerity great yeah Let's do it.